Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Are you guys ready to get into the Word? Can I just take, can I take about 15 minutes? Can you give me 15 minutes? Is that okay? Can I take 15 minutes to encourage you? Are you guys ready? Turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Exodus 3, verse 1, and I don't have a lot of time because we, I really believe in God to see a, an impartation of the anointing of the Lord. But Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now Moses was tending the flocks of Jethro, his father-in-law, and the priests of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Can we stop? Can we stop there for a moment? God sees you. God hears your cry. And a lot of times we say, well, God, how come you haven't intervened? Can I just tell you, God is making a way where there seems to be no way. God is moving. You may not be able to sense it. You may not be able to see it. But can I tell you, it is a part of his nature and character. He is a God that is moving on your behalf. I've heard them crying out because of their, their slave drivers. And I'm concerned. Wow about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them, the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivazites, and Jebusites. Let's pray. Father, I pray that in this brief moment that I have to share your word, I pray God speak to us. Stir within us, Lord, a desire Stir within us, God, a passion for you and a passion to, to answer the call. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to deal with tonight, the title of my message is Beyond Limitations. Beyond Limitations. I want you to hear this. God gave Moses everything he needed to lead his people. And God could have very easily set the children of Israel free out of Egypt in a different manner, but he chose to use Moses. Can I tell you, there's a people that need deliverance. There's a people that need freedom. There are people that need to be set free from the bondage that they're in. And a lot of us expect God to do it a certain way, but God's desire is to use you. God's desire is to use you to set your neighbors free, to see your neighbors healed. God wants to use you to touch your schools, young people. God wants to use you to touch your job. You say, well, God, why don't you send an angel? He says, because I choose you. And a lot of times the reason why we question God's God's strategy is because we battle with our own insecurities. See, Moses, in this instance, was, he was forced to confront and face his deficiencies. All of us have inadequacies. 
Yet God called Moses. And God did a work beyond Moses' limitations. God can do a work beyond your limitation. No matter how great it may be. Look, friends, I've got a lot of limitations, and I, I have people that tease me all the time. I, I have staff members that criticize me. I'm just being honest with you. They come, how come you have such a big staff? Some of you heard me say this, because I've got a big staff. I have a lot of people. I, don't, I, like, I like building teams. Even when I was a kid, I'd be at Kamaoli Tree. For some of you who are from the mainland, that's Kamaoli 3. It is a beach. So I was at Kamoli 3, and I, my, my mom would always laugh at me. She'd make fun of me because I'd always find a friend because I, I never liked doing things by myself. So I was always trained. In every leadership course I've ever taken, I was always trained that what you do is you staff. You staff your weaknesses. That's why I got a big staff because <laughs> I got a lot of weaknesses. I love doing things as a team. But you know, sometimes we forget that the greatest team member is the Holy Spirit. The greatest team member is God because God can go beyond all your limitations, all your inadequacies and deficiencies. And can I just tell you right now, God has never, in, God's intent was never for you to do it by yourself and without him. God's desire is to do life and ministry with him. So what he did is he began to move in Moses' life, he interrupted Moses' life. And he appeared to Moses, as we see here in Exodus 3, 1, and he did something profound. He gave, number one, he gave Moses a call. He called Moses. And I, I need to say this because a lot of times we make the call what we do instead of who calls us. See, the first thing we have to recognize is that God calls us first to him. Before he calls you to be a businessman, before he calls you to be a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor, even before he calls you to be a pastor, he calls you to himself. Our primary call is first to God. And secondly, we see this interesting moment where God instructs Moses to take your sandals off for this is holy ground. You are standing on holy ground. There is also not a call just to God, but there's a call to holiness. First Peter chapter one, verse 15, it says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. First Peter chapter two, verse nine, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Friends, there's a call to holiness. You're never gonna step in to what God has called you to until you are fully, wholeheartedly devoted to God. We've got to begin to be people that step into our destiny without mixture. One of the greatest problems that Israel had when they stood upon the precipice of the promised land wasn't that they were too small. is that they lived life with mixture. The problem was not the giants. The problem is they still had Egypt in them. The problem wasn't that God wasn't present it was because they were still worshiping idols in their own heart. And they lived a life of mixture. You want to step into the fullness that God has for you? We've got to walk in holiness. But the, 
The third thing we see is not only a call to him, a call to God. That is our first and foremost call, is a call to relationship with him. But second, a call to holiness. But thirdly, a call of identity. I love what Peter said. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. We are his. I belong to him. Without taking too long, I I have to stop for a moment. I have to pause. and We have to have a revelation of how valuable that statement is when we truly understand that we belong to him. The Bible says the eyes of the righteous, the eyes of the Lord upon the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. He's looking at you. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. He He sees you. You belong to him. You are valuable to him. You are precious to him. And if you don't get that in your spirit, when you hit a rough patch in ministry, when you, when you go through trying times, you'll actually begin to listen to the lies of the enemy that God doesn't care about you. And the same lie that he fed Adam and Eve in the garden is the same lie that he feeds us today. That we succumb to all the time. Why? Because we are not convinced that we belong to God. We are not convinced of his nature and his character. That he is a God that is with us. He is a God that is for us. That he's a God that cannot lie. That every good and perfect gift comes from above. So there's a call of identity that we belong to him. That I belong to him. That everything that I have is his. It's my identity. But there's also a call of purpose and destiny. And I love how God tells Moses the plan. He says, I will rescue my people, but I will take them into a good and spacious land. Friends, we got to be convinced that God has a destiny and a purpose in our life. God has a destiny and a purpose for your life. God wants to use you. Now, it may look different than what you and what you may think, because a lot of times, you, if well, I'm not living in a mansion, if I'm not driving a, a Bentley, then I must not be in God's will. So you're telling me that the moments where Paul the Apostle was put into prison, stoned, beaten, rejected, that, that wasn't God's will. We've got to be careful that we don't feed into a, a false idea of God's will and God's blessings. See, the greatest blessing is not to have or to obtain great things. It's to be a part of the greatest thing, which is the kingdom of God. The greatest blessing is to be able to do the will of God. Can I ask you a question? Was Mother Teresa blessed? Even though she was serving people in Calcutta, India, was she blessed? She didn't have a Bentley. As far as we know, she didn't live in a mansion. And she served people. But the greatest blessing that she could obtain was not a mansion on a hill or a Bentley. And I'm not against those things. But friends, we got to be careful that they don't sidetrack us from walking into the fullness of the destiny and the purpose of God. His call is to his kingdom and his purposes. And he has a destiny for you. It's a call of God. I briefly need to go through this, but the second thing that we see it's not only the call that God gave Moses, but it's also worship. Look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. He says, and God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. 
When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Now, can I say this? His presence is essential. Moses had a revelation. What use, what good is the promised land, God, if your presence doesn't go with us? And he even told God, he said, God, if you ain't coming, I ain't going. Is that your heart? To be so enamored with the presence of God. God, I need you. I want you. His presence is essential. But this is what I love, and this is what the Lord says. Your proof, your worship, sorry, your worship is proof of your freedom and victory. And as long as you can worship, it will always be proof that God has done the work. His intervention is the only explanation. He says, I will set you free, and I give you a promise, and you shall see with your own eyes that the people will worship me. And that worship will be a sign of my hand moving. That worship will be a sign of my intervention, that I have done the work. But we have to realize this, that worship is more than singing. It is serving. As a matter of fact, that, that Hebrew word is the word avad, which means to labor, to work, to work for another, to serve by laboring. Isn't that interesting? It's not just singing, but this is what's wonderful. God says, you will see that by my hand, I will deliver you from the Egyptians and I will take you to a place and I will put you in a place where you will be able to serve me, where I can make you fruitful and that the labor of your hand will glorify me. Can I tell you right now, when you put your hand to the plow and you begin to build those churches, you're worshiping God. And your labor is not in vain because every time you begin to push through and you say, I know this is uncomfortable right now. I don't want to do this right now. This is hard. You're glorifying God. And you're pushing through. It is worship. The third thing that we see is he gave us his name. He gave Moses his name. In Exodus chapter 3, and of course Moses is a little uncertain. He says, well, well Lord, how will I rally these people? Can you, just, can you just bear with me for a moment? Can you imagine? Here's Moses. And God tells him, I want you to go and rally all the people and try and convince this entire group of people to leave Egypt and go to the promised land, which many of them hadn't never seen. They've heard about it. They heard stories about it, but they had never seen it. And Moses has to convince them, and, and he's concerned. He says, how am I going to convince them, God? You know, as, as being the president of this organization and Stepping into what I'm now stepping into, sometimes I go, oh, God, how am I going to convince them, God? All my deficiencies, all my inabilities, very evident. Moses says, Lord, I've got issues. God, I've got issues. There's no way they're going to listen to me. How am I going to rally these people into their destiny? And God did something so profound, he gave him his name. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and of God of Jacob has sent me to you. 
This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Can I tell you we see a wonderful parallel? And I know I don't have a lot of time, but I need to finish this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and even under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, and it says, And these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in other tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poisons... It will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Friends, we have a name. And it is a name that is above every name. You carry this name with you. It is the name of Jesus. By the name of Jesus, can I tell you, demons tremble. We have a name that is powerful. God gave Moses a name. Can I tell you some of the greatest things I, I love as we read through Bible history and throughout the Old Testament is so profound to me. And so many of you know this because we have one of the greatest expository preachers on the planet here. And when the children of Israel would go into battle, they would have banners that had the name of God. And they would, those banners would lead them into battle. Just as worship at times would lead them into battle, those banners, because it was a declaration of how God had intervened in their life. There's power in his name. Friends, don't hesitate to call upon the name of Jesus. For his name is powerful. He is our banner. And we've been given this name. God did not hold this name from us. He gave it very clear. He says, those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. He revealed the fullness of himself through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not one-third of God. This is the reason why that's so important. See, the Holy Spirit is not one-third of God. Jesus is not one-third of God. The fullness of the Godhead. So that means Jesus carries all authority, all power. And so when he says all authority, all power has been given to me, and then he does something profound, he sends us. That means he gives us his name. He gives us authority, and he gives us power. So we see very clearly what God gave Moses was, number one, a call a call to holiness, a call to destiny, a call to himself. Secondly, he, he said, he gave him a promise. He says, you will worship me at this mountain. Thirdly, he gave us a name. But lastly, if I can have the worship team come. He gave Moses power. And this is unusual to me. Because he used a staff as a symbol of God's divine intervention and power. Can I, you know, I, I, without getting into too much detail because we're out of time, but what's so amazing to me is I said, God, why a staff? Why not a sword?
Come on. Any, any sword people here? God, why not a sword? Why a staff? Can I just tell you why, why I believe it was a staff? And why God used the staff of Moses. Listen to this. He says, Exodus Exodus chapter 4, 2, he used the staff of both Moses and Aaron. He says, then the Lord said to him, what is that that's in your hand? Have you ever, have you ever looked at somebody and wish you had their gifts? Have you ever looked at somebody and begin to measure the size of their sword to your sword? And all of a sudden you get into this comparison issue. And the Lord says very clearly to Moses, number one, he says, Moses, what's in your hand? What have I given you? If you can break off every pasture in here, if we can break off comparison in our life, instead of spending most of our journey with God gazing at what other people are doing and what other people have, we'll begin to step into the fullness of what God has for us. What's in your hand? God may have different giving. Some of the greatest churches in America are not led by the greatest orators on the planet. Some of these churches, I've been to churches that seat thousands upon thousands of peace, people, and I'm sitting in the pew going, this guy can't preach. Comparison. But see, God used what was in that man's hand. God wants to use what's in your hand, Pastor. God wants to use what's in your hand, leader. But the second thing that we see, look at this. This is awesome. He says, Moses says, it's a staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Something that seems so insignificant, God can make supernatural. Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Then he said, this said the Lord, so that they may believe, they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. You know, culturally, when you begin to understand why shepherds and why different ones would carry a staff is because that staff represents support. People that would go to the, to the heights and people that would need an extra strength and extra support. It was added strength and added balance. Friends, you're never going to get to the heights of what God has for you without his presence and without his power. That staff represented his power and his authority. But you know, I, I truly believe that when it comes down to it, ultimately, this is just my personal opinion. Not only did God use what was in Moses' hand, I believe God was intentional to use a shepherd's staff to release his power through. Why? To show that God... God's desire was to be the shepherd of Israel. God's desire is to be the shepherd of your life. To be your strength, to be your authority, to be the power, to be 
in those times that support even beyond your inadequacies? Who, who are we to touch the nations? Who are we to rally a people to destiny? We're people called by God. A people holy. Worshippers. A people set apart. We're a people filled with the power and the authority of God. Pastor, how do you have the audacity to do what you're doing? I don't. As a matter of fact, I've, if I can be very honest with you, I'm extremely comfortable on Oahu. I'm very comfortable on Oahu. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> I'm not taking on this new position because I, I need a greater position. As a matter of fact, Dr. Morocco and I have had many of conversations that the reason why the reason why this is happening is so that he can step into the fullness of what God's called him to. I'll say that again. So that he can step into the fullness of what God's called him to. You know, I, I realized something. that I can actually hinder what God wants to do. If all I do is my whole life remind God of my inadequacies, be apprehensive to step into the fullness of what God has for me because I'm so scared because of my issues, I can hinder what God wants to do. Friends, don't be that person. God wants to raise you up for such a time as this. God wants to use you for such a time as this. You have a call in your life. You have a destiny in your life. Be the people of God. Go beyond. Live beyond your limitations because he has given you everything you need to be who he's called you to be. I want you to lift your hands right where you're seated. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Come on all over this house. Father, we need you. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast. God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.